right, what's going on, Spirit fans? I am Timothy Lawson. I am host of Follow Your Spirit, the only podcast that is bringing you week-to-week coverage specifically on the Washington Spirit. This past Saturday, the Spirit were supposed to play the University of North Carolina, but UNC was unable to guarantee uh, a full squad on the field, so that game had to get canceled, and instead the Washington Spirit did a scrimmage match. It was a intra-squad scrimmage. When I talked to Coach Cabrera after the game, it didn't really seem like there was any uh, any rhyme or reason to how the squads were split up, but it did sound like he int- he he tried to have his starting front line play against his starting back line, which is interesting because the match ended in a tie that was dis- then decided uh, by penalty kicks. Technically, the side with the front the starting front line won. The, the white squad uh, won three to one in penalty kicks because Weiss uh, had a a couple great saves in the penalty kicks. There really isn't much to take away from the inter-squad match. They played 35-minute halves. Uh, it they looked good and looked like they needed improvement in uh, in just about everything we'd already been discussing this season. the The first goal came from Christine Nairn on a free kick that was uh, shot low. And uh, and ended up scoring. It was about the same spot as the free kick she took against uh, PSU. The second goal came from uh, Myra Conte, who is an amateur call up, and uh, she just got a great she got a great uh, got a great lead and uh, just took off with the ball and 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 got a good shot on Weiss. So both teams scored. Uh, both keepers were scored on. Uh, maybe you give the maybe you give props to uh, to Weiss for the couple of great saves that she had that that led to a uh, to a white squad win, uh, but really nothing else to take away from this game. I thought so. With that, uh, knowing there wasn't going to be much to recap with, um, I decided to invite uh, Caitlin Buckley back onto the podcast this week. We're going to talk about stats. Um, and then our predictions for t- which teams are going to make the playoffs next season. I'll play the two interviews that I got um, in the post game. I talked to Joanna Loman one on one, and then uh, talked to Coach Cabrera uh, with the group. Uh, so I'll let you listen to those uh, interviews in their entirety because I think there's good little nuggets all throughout each. And then we'll we'll lead into my uh, my discussion with Caitlin. Enjoy. Hi, Joanna. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I originally was going to give you a hard time about guaranteeing a Washington win when it came to the 1-1 tie. Uh, we won. And then, yeah, then you guys still end up pulling out, pulling out a win. Um, I noticed there was uh, some frustration uh, with uh, with some uh, moves that Shayna was willing at, was uh, making. I don't know if uh, the chemistry just wasn't working or if, if uh, you just couldn't anticipate some of her movements. But, uh, you know, with... There's like 16 members of the Spirit returning. How difficult is it for the rookies and the newcomers to, to meld with the rest of the team? I think there's just certain plays where uh, you feel like you need a player to check back to the ball as opposed to running away. And, um, you know, Shane is a really fast player, so I think she wants to stick to her strengths, which she should. So I think she anticipated me to play the ball in behind, and credit to her for knowing, uh, knowing her strengths. And, you know, I can do a better job of... Um, 
anticipating that's that's her first instinct just to get in behind because um, that's not my first instinct is to play a ball in behind just because it's more of a 50-50 ball. Um, so I think you work that it that's what you work out in these scrimmages is people's preferences and um, soon you know we'll be moving more like a unit as opposed to like one person moving at a time. Yeah. What uh, you know? What can you get out of a, a scrimmage like this versus um, you know? Are there any advantages to the universe unit scrimmage that maybe you don't get in a uh, in a preseason game versus someone else, or or is it? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. there's a lot of advantages because everybody gets to play a lot of minutes, and um, oftentimes the differences between players, the discrepancy is so small that um, it's you know the difference between one player starting over another happens to be that week or that given day what a coach's preference is so for everyone to get minutes and be able to play and uh, get, get an opportunity to show the coach you know, what they learned that week and what they are willing to give to this team I think is a great it's a great situation for everyone um how's the you know three weeks into the preseason now how's the, how's the body feel feel more yeah it's been a really hard week I think anyone will tell you that they've been they've been pushing us hard which they should because uh, that way we'll be more prepared when April 16th comes around and you know, I'm, I'm different. I love preseason. It's my favorite time of the year. It's everyone's working towards one central goal. Um, everyone's each day is gets an opportunity to play and to showcase. And when the season comes around, again, you have to pick starting spots, and it gets um, a little bit more intense. But now it's just everyone working working so hard for, for the team and really um, trying to make everyone around them better. You, uh, you had a nice, nice attempt from almost 27 yards out. Uh, just a little over the crossbar. Uh, what look did you get, and uh, do you think there would have been a chance to bring it down a little bit? I need to work on my shooting for sure. I think that's one of the one of my goals for the preseason is to uh, get more of my shots on target. And hopefully, once the season comes around, I, I want to be able to score some goals uh, in the season. So this is a good opportunity for me again to to work on that um, in at game speed because I, sometimes in practice it's hard to replicate that and. Um, again, it's it's a game of inches, so it's inches over the bar, inches left, inches right. So to make sure I have to get that on frame. Who um, who's, who stood out to you so far? Uh, three three weeks in, who um, who's maybe overperforming from what you may have expected, um, or just standing out in general, either on the field and off the field. I think um, Caprice Didasco, having coming from. Um, last season where she didn't get many minutes and coming in, she's really, I thought, has been playing great. She came off in a season in Australia, so she's looking really sharp, and uh, I've really enjoyed playing with her. Um, but, you know, everyone, even our newcomers, the rookies, are really uh, pushing themselves hard, and I'm really proud of this team. I'm proud to be a part of this team, and I think we'll, we'll have a really good season. So you tweeted out today that any day to play soccer is a good day. Mm-hmm. Is that how you feel right now? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I love this sport. So. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Jordan. You're welcome. When you had you know pros and sixteen-year-olds playing with each other, yeah, yeah, you got to give give opportunities to these kids, and it was good that we you know we were short on numbers because uh, a couple of injuries or and national team players gone, so you know give them give them a chance to come out, and um, it's always difficult because they haven't been training with us. Uh, we gave them a brief little tactical talk, and you know it, it's it's good for our players because now there are responsibilities to communicate and direct those players um, within the structure that we're having them do is uh, is critical. You check, check, make a little note, you check up on uh, Conti in about six years. <laughs> that many years? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. The way things are evolving, maybe, maybe three years. Uh, she rolled her ankle. Okay. So she, 
Yeah. Was there any uh, any rhyme or reason to the way you split the squad? Uh, yeah, I mean, we wanted to try to keep some lines together. Um, you know, at some point you want, you, the way I look at it is you, you probably want to have your attacking group going against your defending group. Um, and then the midfield is, you know, a little bit split. I mean, you can, you know, your six might be with your defensive group or um, right now we have kind of looking at two options with Tori and, and Joe as, as being able to fill that role. So um, that was split that way. Who stood out to you so far three weeks into the preseason? Who? Uh, uh, well, it's kind of been week to week. I think uh, the first couple of weeks were, were the, the pros who were used to the environment. And uh, last week, I think Shana made a good a good jump and Caprice had a really good week. So it's, uh, you know, I think... Uh, it's, it's been overall, I think everybody's come along, uh, but I, I don't think there's been any one player that stood out. Um, you know, we got we got to look at the whole roster and make sure everybody's ready for, for every role that we're asking them to do. Um, Ferguson wasn't able to play last week, which she got in today. What did you see from out of her today? Uh, we saw we saw the first week where you know she's got she's got very good feet. Um, she's got some good athleticism, and she's willing to, to do the work defensively and. Uh, we just haven't seen enough to see exactly how she'll fit in. You know, I think she's she's certainly got a lot of potential, and we knew that when we drafted her. And uh, it's it's hard where she missed a week or more than a week because um, it kind of misses out on the opportunities for us to evaluate her. But we we like her as much, if not a little bit more, than when we drafted her. When we talked before the preseason, uh, you noted that goalkeeper would be a pretty competitive spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel any different? I mean, do you feel like either has a either player has an edge so far? Um. We'll have to go back and look at it, but I think it's still even. And, and now with Steph leaving, um, you know, they're both going to have to be prepared to start on the 16th because it's not like there's any competition for the next um, 10 days or 12 days, whatever the window is, because Canada's using the back side of the window where U.S. used the front side of the window. Um, is that the reason you did the PKs? Uh, no, the reason we did the PKs was because we, fitness-wise, we didn't want to play everybody 90 minutes, but we wanted to get them the emotional stress of playing 90 minutes so that probably got another 10 or 15 minutes out of her oh, okay <laughs> um, but no it wasn't we'll certainly look at it but yeah. uh it was more of a a mental exercise for the whole group to get through that to maintain your focus even though you're not actually playing the extra 15 minutes plus we got to get the referee a little, a little more running in so she got a full 90 minutes <laughs> <laughs> that's all i got yeah. all right yeah. thanks coach. thank you guys Caitlin Buckley back with us for uh, another week. Uh, there was a I already gave uh, Follow Your Spirit fans a uh, a quick recap of the intra squad scrimmage. There really wasn't uh, a whole lot that I could really say about it that didn't come out of the sound bites from uh, from Loman or Coach. Um, I know you sat in uh, on a media huddle with Megan Oyster. Did you glean anything from that that maybe you noteworthy? Uh not much really. It was mainly about uh her uh Megan Oyster and the back line, how they've been kinda working together. She's pretty positive about it all. Yeah, good because um the the little game that we're gonna play this little stats game uh, it's the it's all sort of gonna lead to the idea that I think defense is going to be uh, a is gonna be the 
most important side uh, for any team going into this season. Uh, so let's uh, – so, Caitlin, I pulled some some stats here, pulling them up. Uh, what I got? One, two, three, four. Apparently I have six bullet points. Um, we're just, I'm going to go through these. I'm going to try to pose it as a trivia question. Uh, we'll, we'll see if you can, can guess it and then we'll discuss maybe the implications of that going into, uh, the next season. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. Uh, okay. So four teams had 30 plus goals last season. Um, what did those four teams have in common at the end of the season? Made the playoffs. Uh, they made the playoffs, right? Yeah, I didn't really know how to like make that like a really uh, like a, a good trivia question, but um, that would. But absolutely right, they made the playoffs. Now, the if you go back further, that's not the case, of course, with uh, in the 2014 and 2013 seasons. But more games were played in those uh, in those seasons, so. Um, Going into so it's it's, uh, it's twenty games again this season, right? Yeah. Each team, yeah. So it this season uh, the the schedule will mirror last season more. So if you look at it from that, so if you try to uh, you know if you dismiss fourteen and thirteen because of the more games, and if you look at just the idea that if a team scores thirty goals, they can make the playoffs. If that was the hypothesis. I think that bodes well for the spirit. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think I think they'll have a great offense. Not necessarily great, but I think they'll have a good offense this year, and I think that's going to be the strong point of their team. I also think they're returning a very stable midfield, which will also help. I think people have, might have been overlooking that a little bit. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. A lot of the talk has been about uh, can Dunn repeat her performance? How does uh, Stengel and Williams and uh, and some of the other additions, you know, can Ortega come back and and, and repeat her performance? Uh, but not a lot has been talked about of the midfield and how stable it is. And um, honestly, I, I think just from talking to some of the the players like Loman and Nairn, they seem very optimistic about their own personal progression in the off season, which you know it, it's biased, of course, because they're reflecting on themselves. But um, you can only assume that they're being honest as possible, and you know hopefully that they can uh, they can edge out uh, a better performance this year than they did last year. Yeah, and I think also people sometimes overlook. Uh, Tori Huster, who I think is also a very good defensive midfielder who can also play at center back if the Spirit need her to. Hopefully they don't this year. But yeah, I think the Spirit have a very stable midfield. Diana Matheson, great for Canada. She'll be around most of the season this year. The Matheson, if, if, uh, since we're playing stats, I believe she's the the, she's the top scorer for the Spirit all time, isn't she? Yeah, mainly penalty kicks, but yeah, even without penalty kicks, she's great on offense. Yeah, um, and then who you said uh, Houston was the other player that you pointed out. Um, Houston unable to get a goal last season, but did get uh, eleven shots off. So you know, definitely uh, trying to contribute to. Uh, so if, if she can even get that again this season, getting another 10, 12 shots off and maybe get some of those to convert. She's already improved the contribution to the offense. I'm not sure I really see offense as her main, the main point of her role. I think 
her role is also very necessary when, uh, as a defensive midfielder, when the Spirit uh, press, because they press a decent amount, and Gobert has been em- emphasizing that, is to help prevent these counterattacks, which the Spirit have been vulnerable uh, to the yeah. past three games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, counter is definitely, um, I think, uh, as you pointed out, something that the Spirit really have to pay attention to. Uh, bullet point two. What uh, what did the first and second place teams from last season, what did the first and second place teams have in common record-wise? And when I say first and place, I mean, of course, the at the end of regulation, um, not, not the the championship uh, first and second place, but first and second at the end of uh, regular season. What do they have in common as far as their record goes? So, like, how many wins? Uh, wins, losses, and ties. Which one of those did they have in common? Uh, ties, maybe? Losses. Losses. So, yeah, so it is, uh, make sure I speak correctly here. Obviously, we know that Seattle uh, topped the league in the record. I believe Chicago got, yeah, Chicago got second. And they both only had three losses. Yeah, so Seattle, Chicago, first and second place last season, they both only had three losses. The next uh, best team on that uh, is a tie um, at six losses, which the Kansas City uh, and the Spirit had. And so what makes that, what's significant about that is Chicago, even though, you know, they had eight wins, which was uh, the same as Washington, and that was even one less than Kansas City, who got third, they were able to hold off the offenses enough to eke out nine ties. Chicago had nine draws last season, but it worked in their favor. They, they won enough games to get three points uh, to, to put them in the, the playoff spot, and and then with only three losses, uh, we're able to get that one point for all those, for nine, they got nine points just out of ties. Yeah, they uh, are a very gritty team, I would say that about them. Uh, which two players in the league, and, and uh, you actually already know the answer to this because I said this yesterday, but uh, which, two, which two players in the, in the league shot 40-plus shots in each of the last three seasons? Do you remember who they were? Yeah, uh, Christine Nairn and Carly Lloyd. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I first started, uh, when I first started looking into the spear, when I made the decision, like you know what, I'm going to cover a women's soccer, because uh, that, that was that was a very random decision for me to make. Uh, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. Uh, and so I started looking at the stat sheets, started researching the spirit, and it really one thing that I noticed that Christine Nairn had, was a uh, was a top producer or top contributor uh, on the stat sheet. So uh, I was curious. How how what has she done in the past? And then I saw that she shot I think forty some I can't remember what the numbers were, but she had forty plus shots in each of the past three seasons. Then I was one, then I was curious has did anybody else do that? And to my surprise, only one other person has uh, has taken that many shots. Now, um, obviously, shots don't mean goals, right? And in Christine Nairn's uh, case, last season her. 40-plus shots only led to five goals. Two of those were penalty kicks. Um, and so, but I think what's significant, I think what's, the reason why I like pointing it out is I think if those opportunities, she's shooting 50% uh, shot on goal accuracy. So if she can even, like, move up her shot take, for, like, just even a couple of yards to improve the, the probability of it being an on-goal shot and then it converting, I think that, 
uh, I think she could be a couple extra goals for the Spirit this year than she was last year. Yeah, and I think the 40-plus shots for Carly Lloyd and Christine Nairn also just generally speak to uh, their role on the team and then where they're shooting from. You know, uh, they're not trying to necessarily get those shots from, like, three, six yards out, but they're taking the opportunities that they get sometimes in tough games or losing seasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, uh, if anybody listened last last week, I mentioned that, that Christine Nairn, double-digit goals, was one of my bold predictions. Uh, I know it's only the preseason, but if, these, if it weren't the preseason, I'd already be 20% of the way there. I just want to point that out. Uh, Nairn already has two goals. Uh, obviously, the competition's different, but yeah. um, I was I'm I feel good about that prediction now that she has back goals in back-to-back games. Which player had the best shot on goal accuracy of those that shot at least 20 shots? Let me say it one more time. So, of all the of all the players last season that had 20 shots or more. Which player had the best shot on goal accuracy? So percentage. I think I've heard you say this a few times. So uh, Ordega, wait for the spirit. Um, right. So for the spirit, it is Ordega. Okay. And so, and I used to think until about three hours ago, I thought Ordega actually topped the league until I fact checked before this uh, podcast and realized that Beverly uh, Yanez mm-hmm. is that how you. Put it? Uh, actually had 64%, which is 1% more than Ordega's 63% shot on goal accuracy. And the stark difference is her 64% shot on goal accuracy converted to nine goals, while Ordega can only get three. Uh, And then right behind them are uh, Molina Shim and Lauren Holiday with 62% shot accuracy. And so, you know, what does that inform? Possibly nothing. Uh, But those, uh, Yanez, I think, clearly a very prolific uh, shooter, yeah. and and being able to sh- shoot at that high of an accuracy and to then to get that many goals to convert is uh, is truly amazing. Yeah, and I think Yanez also might have a bit of an upper hand over Ortega in, in terms of where she's placing those shots. Um, sometimes Ortega's shots would just kind of go straight at the keeper, so that might be why Yanez has more goals. The one, you know, the one metric that I uh, that I just don't have available to me with a lot of these stats that I'm bringing up is the expected goal number for, you know, Yanez shooting 64%. You know, her expected expected goal number could be much higher yeah. than Ortega's, even though they're only one percent. And then also, um, I think to your point about the expected goals, Chad Murphy at Soccer Metric, I think on Twitter has been doing yeah. some neat work of with expected goals that you can check out. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to read his stuff and and seeing where um you know h- how it can apply to the spirit specifically and um you know who knows I may even try to get a, a basic model going to to help inform the uh, at least what the spirit are doing mm-hmm. on the field. Teams with the best and worst shot goal percentage as a team. Uh, so we'll start with the best. Um, um, which team do you think last season had the best shot on goal percentage as a team? As a team, hmm. leaning between the rain and FCKC, uh, I'll just go with the rain. <laughs> I don't know. It w- it is the rain at fifty two percent as a team. They were shooting on goal fifty two 
52%, which uh, is significant, which means every time the ball leaves their foot and, so, and the, the person up in the box deems it to be a shot, over half of those are potentially a, are, is potentially a goal. Uh, and whenever I suppose when you're a soccer player, the only thing you're really trying to do with the ball is try to get it inside that that white box in front of you, uh, and kind of boiling uh, so it down a bit. But yeah, the so on the other side of the spectrum, can you guess which team had the worst shot on goal percentage, the least accurate team? The least accurate team, maybe Breakers. So that would have been my assumption as well. Can I make a second uh, guess? Yeah, you can. Um, I don't if you know. Think about, oh. If you think about one of the other stats that we talked about, you may be able to. Who was who shooting the most? Let's go with Portland. It is. It was the Houston Dash. Oh, the Houston Dash. Yeah, so going back to the Carly Lloyd stats. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, I was thinking... Um, Mana Shim and Ali Wong. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Carly Lloyd shot 56 times last season, and only 15 <laughs> of those were on goal. So Carly Lloyd is a very talented player. I would really like to see drawing a blank, her hat trick that she got in the World Cup. I'd really like to see where those goals sit in comparison to, like, they almost seem like they have to be outliers, especially as consecutive goals in the same game. I mean, that's that's a lot of shots that are not going anywhere. Yeah, I think for her in the Houston Dash, it's she's taking free kicks. The Houston Dash weren't very good or good on offense, really, and... um, yeah, so I think it kind of speaks to where the Dash are getting their shots from when they're not able to penetrate the 18. Uh, yeah, so 42% is what they were shooting. Uh, that was their shot on goal uh, percentage. Washington sits right in the middle of all of that with uh, 50%, so leaning a little bit closer to uh, to Seattle's performance. Uh, and then on yeah. the other side, um, which teams had the best and worst Shots on goal against, and this isn't a percentage we're looking at. Well, this is, we're actually looking at um, the total number of shots on goal. Uh, so, can you guess which team had the worst? So, which team had to defend the most shots on goal last season? Breakers. And the number is 137. Breakers. It is the Breakers. Yeah. Uh, 137 shots on goal against. Um, that obviously that makes a lot of sense when you look at last year's standings with the Brock, the, the breakers at the bottom uh, yeah. of the list. Um, and then probably no surprise on who's on the other side of that spectrum, which, uh, which team had the best shots on goal against uh, Seattle, Seattle at 82. Think about that. Only 82 shots. They had a defense. It's like four. Okay. Yeah. That's like four, four games. and a quarter. If you, I mean, if you really, if you told, if you told a keeper, you only have, you only have to defend four shots today. I mean, it's, it, you know, you already can. It already sounds like they have the advantage, and that, that stat is actually the only one that, tr- that, that uh, directly correlates with uh, the standings last year. Yeah. Uh, Seattle. You yeah. Know. And, and so that leads me into sort of the point of this conversation and. and um, why I wanted to bring you on is talking about defense. I think is going to be a 
significant. Uh, and of course, you could say, well, defense is always significant. You could also but, say defense wins championships if you want to go for the. Tournament. Yeah, you can say defense wins championships. You can you can say stuff like that. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, cliche phrases in that. And, of course, when I say, you know, if we're looking at whether it's defense or offense, it's the coin flip on which side is really going to matter the most, right? Uh, but the point being, the the Washington Spirits, I think, if you look at uh, what they did last season and what they could be doing this season, I think it's easy to point out some of the the offense, uh, the offensive um, improvements mm-hmm. The question is, will their defense improve? They did concede 28 goals uh, last season, and that was the most out of all the playoff teams. Um, and only, uh, you know, like the Dash and I think Sky Blue actually uh, conceded less and didn't make the playoffs. Can the Spirits outshoot them, outshoot their opponents into getting three points a game? Um, or do we have the defense to to hold off and to get some clean slates uh, to get us one to three points uh, a game? Well, so in 2014, the Spirit, I think they were the only team to make it into the playoffs with a negative goal differential. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. So I guess in that season, that plan did work. But I think if they want to make the playoffs this year, you know, when when they're semifinal, I think the defense needs to improve. And I think I'd be interested in if they trade one of their forwards up top because they have a bit of depth up there for a left back, but the trick is there aren't a lot of left backs in the league. Uh, I think overall they, they've some... Um, I think of the 19 they've signed... Probably around 14, maybe give it, give or take one or two, have returned from last season. So I think that will help them uh, be more on the same page and communicate a bit better. Yeah, I don't know if they can, but yeah, the defense will be important. Yeah, and and, and I'm as a uh, as a new, uh, yeah, I'm new to uh, covering the spirits, and I'm much more familiar out of the past four or five months of learning about them and researching. I'm much more familiar with the with the offensive side um, because, I'm, unfortunately, I mean, that's a, unless there's pr- proprietary stuff, I mean, public data, offense is you know rules the data. Like there's we still there is there still isn't a whole lot of public data on the defensive side. Yeah, and I don't think there's much private there data. Uh, you know, I, I think, it's, well, especially in our league, right? Yeah, no, yeah. But the, yeah, and so it's difficult to, uh, to, other than just simply watching the players perform, it's really difficult to evaluate them uh, with any other metric other than goals against. Yeah, right? I think I talked about this a bit in my uh, recap of the intra-squad scrimmage today. I think for them, one thing they could improve on is um, defensive spacing. Like uh, co- the coach mentioned, um, Gabera mentioned, not this week, but the week before, I think. And then also transitioning into uh, into defensive position after they lose the ball and not being as vulnerable to the counterattacks. Yeah, uh, I suppose I don't have any, uh, anything to add on that because you understand the defense uh, much more than I do right now. 
Um, let's, uh, well, last week we did some, some fun bold predictions. Uh, we were talking about this in the box yesterday during the game. Everybody was sort of giving their, uh, their predictions on where the, where Washington may end up, uh, in rankings at the very end of the season. Uh, the numbers six and five seem to be floating around the internet. Uh, I'm optimistic in that I think that, uh, the spirits, if they can, I think the spirits, like, as I mentioned yesterday, I think that they can, that they're, they will improve performance-wise, so if they can at least stay the same or improve defensively, uh, I think that they will be a three or four seed. What do you think? I'll split the difference and say four. Um, I think they've got a, a lot of potential either way to, you know, completely, like, suck this season or be very, very good this season, so... Yeah, I'll split my pessimistic and optimistic predictions and call it four. So the the team that I think is getting the most uh, anticipation this season is the Portland Thorns. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I'd say anticipation, expectations, yeah. They, uh, I mean, I have to pull it back up again. I think they got sixth last season. Yeah, they. I think they were tied for fifth and maybe separated by goal differential. Maybe it was very close between fifth and sixth, but they were sixth. Yeah. Um, do you do you see them being a playoff team this season? Yeah, probably. With the talent they have, it would be a huge disappointment for the organization if they did not make the playoffs. Man, us, uh, us D.C. folk uh, know that idea all too well. Um so then here, uh, let's play one final, one final fun, bold prediction game. Choose the four teams that will be in the playoffs next season. Does that have to be in a particular order? Okay, Which no, four this teams? is in no order. Okay. Um, no, no order. Seattle, Portland, SC Kansas City, and the Spirit. SC Kansas City, I'm very hesitant about, I'd say, of them all, I'm, the most hesitant about FC Kansas City, but I'm a bit hesitant about all of them, so not so much the rain, really, but. Yeah, I think I'm, see, of course, this is what happens when I ask a question. Uh... <laughs> yes, getting turned on you. Yeah, uh, man, I don't even, I'm, I'm going to be a homer and say spirit. Um, I'm going to say that not much changes and Seattle gets in. Um, I think Portland will rise to the occasion and, um, I think that, I think they'll pull it off and just, just to be weird, I'm going to say, actually, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Chicago Red Stars continue to find ways to not lose and compete for the fourth, uh, playoff spot. Yeah, I'd say uh, among them, I'm like I'd put FC Kansas City. I kind of lump them together with Chicago. I'm not really sure what this year is going to look like for them. They've got one of the best, uh, the best coaches in the league, and then but it's just like who's going to score the goals? Maybe they'll answer that question and make it to the playoffs. 
Uh, okay, Caitlin from Black and Red United. Thank you so much for for joining me. We're following you on Twitter at Caitlin Buckley Two, mm-hmm. uh, and Black and Red United is where you contribute your spirit coverage. Yes, Black and Red U, I believe it is on Twitter. Yeah, Black and Red U on Twitter. Yep. Uh, okay, right. thanks. Right. See you on uh, Saturday. Yeah, and maybe we'll do this one more time before the season kicks off. Alrighty. Sound good? Take care. All right, that wraps up another episode of Follow Your Spirit. As I uh, as I pin down the, the exact format that I want to have these podcasts in and the things I want to feature, I'd really appreciate your feedback. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Spirit Coverage. Simply tweet at me. Let me know what aspects of the show you enjoy, what you'd like to see tightened up. Do you want, to see, you know, do you want more player interviews? Do you want more team analysis? Uh, you know, do you want more discussion with other uh, spirit journalists and spirit um spirit followers. So uh, let me know so I can deliver the, the best show possible. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and I hope to see you at the Plex this Saturday at 7 p.m. as the spirit take on Duke. See you then.